so it's here's not heresy. It's come no, on. No, it's Harris' son. Wow! They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now this is I I, I was not impressed. <laughs> Respectfully, that sounds like a little bit of a dodge. I'm claiming victory. So where I come from, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Why is this so difficult? I'm not Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me today is... Jonathan Pritchett. I'm along with you every day. <laughs> well, it's still not wrong. You're the one who's not here sometimes. <laughs> hey, be logical. Yeah. You are here with me today. Yes. And we're going to be discussing, well, we're going to be discussing the Bible on slavery, part two. Stick with us. This is the first word. It's possible. Did you know that it is possible that you can defend the Bible against some of the most heinous of accusations. Did you know that it's not only possible to defend the Bible against some heinous accusations, but it's possible to defend the Bible while having an understanding that some of the things in the Bible may not necessarily sit well with you. It's also possible to defend the Bible against heinous accusations while simultaneously not having certain things in the Bible sit well with you, and be thankful that you live in a culture where a lot of the stipulations and a lot of the uh, cultural milieu of the ancient world is no longer an issue in the modern world where people have uh, more and more freedom. All of those things are simultaneously possible. It's shocking, I know, but I'm thankful that I live in a culture where women are valued higher than they were in the ancient world. I'm also thankful that I have a scripture that is intelligible and understandable in its context. And I'm also thankful that such scripture can be defended against heinous and baseless accusations. And now, today's topic. Welcome back to the main show with Jonathan Pritchett and guest, Braxton Hunter. Today, along with you today. Perpetual guest, Braxton yeah. Hunter. That's right. And I'm proud to be. Yeah. I really actually would prefer your dad. We, your dad does good. Well, Jim, Jim Chatham, we had a great show with Jim Chatham. That's okay. I'd prefer my dad, too. So. When are you, <laughs> when are you going to have a guest? When are you going to yeah, have a guest? Yeah, actually, that's going yeah. to be coming up very soon because we have moved into the this part of the 21st century by <laughs> conquering the ability to have guests. That's right. We have caught up with 2009. Right. Yeah, right, that's right, at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary is on the cutting edge of these sorts of things, but Trinity Radio is lagging. <laughs> right. So, but Because uh, we can't get the Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary staff to do anything for Trinity Radio. And, you know, uh, as, this, as we're recording this right now, just a few moments ago, I posted the uh, debate review that I did, uh, or the response to Matt Dillahunty's debate review. Yeah. Um, it just came out recently, and so I did that. And on that— You're still talking about— Why I are you was bringing so, up old stuff, Well, because I'm so happy— to now be able to do the little cutout of myself with the green screen, and like so you pick Lady Flowers does. It's like punching a little kitten. Haven't you done that enough? Man? Well, you know the thing about it. The thing about it is <laughs> he pays me to say this. So. If if he keeps if he keeps uh, <laughs> if he keeps posting about it, I'm going to keep responding about it. You know that's just how it goes. You're you're like to those a point. Pe- you're like those people on Facebook that have to have the last word. No, no, no. Uh, I think at this point we're done. And Unless 198 says, comments later, he's still. You're, if he says something, gotta respond. If he says something about you, yeah. or if you were to say something about someone or something I really care about aside from myself, I'll post another video. But if he were to post something else and it'd just be something else about the debate or a response to my response, we're done. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's a here's a tip for all you social media people. If somebody else just keeps coming. After your second or third, I think Tim Stratton has a rule on this. You get one reply, and then he's deleting everything else you post on his Facebook page. Is that right? Yeah. But I I don't actually know. Here's the thing. That's a good rule. I don't know if you need it, because guess what? If it's if it says, see more comments, and you click it, or view 10 more comments, I don't click it. If it's like, view one reply, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but nobody's that, reading it after the that. Thing, the thing that I really so. hate is whenever... 
and it's because it'll be you a lot of times, and mm-hmm. I want to go read what you wrote. And, you know, the little, like, preview that it gives you of the comments at the yeah. bottom of the Facebook thing, it'll give me the comment I want to read. So I click, and then that one's, like, way back up the feed somehow, yeah. and you got to reveal 50 more comments, reveal 50 more comments. All the way back, just start with the first comments so right. that I can get it and yeah. read it. Zuckerberg, well, come on. Yeah. Get I, it together. I, unless I'm in the conversation, I'm not reading it if someone else is in the conversation. Facebook is as, uh, you know, technologically savvy as Trinity Radio. That's what's going yeah. on. It's about the same. Yeah. Unless I know you and like you, I'm not talking to you for 25 comments. I only talk to people I like for that much. And barely then. Yeah. So well. if you if you go 10 comments deep with me, it means I actually think highly of you because if if I don't respond after the second round, I don't care about you. But you know the how to win friends and influence people thing where it says if you get into an argument with someone like face to face, if you can tell that people are getting upset, just quit because once your blood pressure gets to a certain point, you're not thinking clearly anymore and it's not going to be productive. I think that if, if that book were written today, it would have a section for social media and it would say something akin to, if you've already gone 10 comments, go ahead and stop because yeah. you're not going to be thinking clearly and you're just going to get more and more aggressive, yes. right? Now, sometimes for fun, like because my family goes to bed early, I'll find, see, nobody realizes that I can out-troll <laughs> trolls and I'll find somebody and see how much of their time I can waste. This is so you. I know. You're just it's so you, do you know, I'm here to suck do your Do you know life that away? you're so you? Yeah. All right, so today we're talking about an issue. Uh, this is part two of the discussion of slavery, but specifically today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, female servants because, as you'll recall from the previous episode, we believe, or at least I believe, I don't know if Jonathan's on board with me or not, that it's more appropriate in this context of Hebrew servanthood to refer to it as servanthood and not slavery. Yes. No, I agree with that. I'm perfectly aware. That only, but only in the sense that the load the load that the term bears, you know, it's so loaded as a term, the mm-hmm. word slave, that it, servant's fine. Right. And, and so, you, you know, if you use the word slave, you already lost in a lot of people's minds. Right. And there is a nuanced—I mean, I don't want to rehash the last episode, but honestly, the same word is used for what the Israelites were in Egypt, which is undeniably slavery, chattel slavery type right. stuff. And it's also used for people being servants. So it's got a flexible use usage. Yeah. I think I said in the last episode you could go with something like worker. And then you got to determine, is that worker a slave or is that worker a servant? So, Especially at Trinity. Anyway, uh, yeah. So um, Working for that guy. Here we go. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, we left off, and I teased a little bit the next episode, that we were going to be discussing um, beginning with female servants in Israel and how this is supposed to be different than male servants. Uh, it's interesting because... I have the passage in front of me if you want to turn there now in your Bibles. Open your Bibles. <laughs> Exodus chapter Exodus. 21. That's where we've spent a lot of our time. Please stand for the reading. Yeah. We, well, no, because I come from a Southern Baptist background where we don't do uh, recitations, a call and response type No, stuff. I said please stand for the reading. of. Oh, stand for the reading, yeah. I come from a Southern Baptist tradition where they actually, my church would have you stand while the yeah. pastor read the passage, and then you sit down after he prays. I think that's probably like a third of Baptist churches, yeah. because I don't think that's most, but I've certainly seen it a lot. And it's always strange to me, because I'll, I'll get up to preach at some church I've never been to, and I get up and I'll open my Bible and I'll say... All right, so the Word of God says, and they all stand up. It's like a herd of elephants, and it <laughs> scares me. I nearly fall out of the oh, pulpit. Oh, we're about to read this. Yeah, so, okay, all right, calm down. Yeah. All right, so anyway, but hey. So I those think churches are actually morally superior than the ones who don't. They probably have, right? are. They're, and they're more holy for doing That's, that. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> probably not, but. Probably not. But I like I, it. I like it, I think it it's fine. I like it, too. I don't like it when I'm in the crowd, because I don't want to stand up again. But if I'm the one preaching... I'm already standing up. Yeah, I'm not a big yeah. The whole stand. <laughs> oh well, that we could do a whole show on. Do I want to stand there for 45 minutes while people? It's really sing? sad because we're about to talk about something in the in the genre of the discussion of slavery, and we're complaining that we have to stand up in church. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so First, you know, so let's take a look. So Exodus 21 and verse seven. Aren't we some spoiled princesses, man? <laughs> in the last episode, Doctor Pritchett pointed out something very important, and that is that I, not everything in the law, even, mm-hmm. is something that God is happy about. Yeah. 
that you have these uh, examples of case law and you have examples of if this happens, here's what you do. That doesn't mean that if the thing that happened is what God wanted to happen. It's that if this happens, here's how you right. deal with it. Oh, here's what you do within that frame of reference. Yeah, it's like everyone thinks that after everything in the Bible, like if this happens, then you're this is the consequence of it. As if every if this happens is Jesus saying, go and do likewise. Right, that's you know, right. I mean, come, just because it's in the Bible and people don't know how to read anymore. Anyway. Which is only slightly better than if a narrative story contains something, yeah. then you should do exactly what it says in every case. Right. Are you kidding? The Bible contains the words of Satan at some point. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean if it's in the Bible, it's all of a sudden beneficial. If it's in the Bible, we look at the context and whatever the point is will be beneficial. Um, so yeah. anyway, all right. So, uh, if a man sells his daughter as a female servant, she is not to go free as the male servants do. If she, now again, to remind everyone, I'm using the word servant because I think that that's in this case, the more proper, uh, translation on top of that, uh, the word sells, buying, selling. You'll remember this is contract language, as mentioned in the last episode. Uh, we gave a great illustration of that. That has to do with if someone wanted to come to America from Europe in early Americas, they might sell themselves, but it didn't mean they were a slave. It meant they were selling their services. This is just contract language, and it doesn't mean the owning of a person as property. Yeah. All right. And go watch the whole video because, interesting, I know you want to get to this, but last week we put out in the middle of an episode a test. That if you say X, Y, and Z in the comments, we'll know you didn't watch. That's and right. Sure enough. Sure enough. Sure enough. The the amount of and people who claim to have watched the amount of complaints that we got for you didn't talk about X, Y, and Z in a show about A. That is utterly ridiculous. We have what twenty two episodes a season. We don't have to get everything in one show. In fact, this was a two parter. Yeah. So. Settle down. Uh, thank you to our friends and audience and patrons who, who watch and understand how reality works. But to you YouTube atheist commenters who have decided to uh, tag along with our channel, we're happy you're here. Um, but, you know, watch and make sure you understand what we're saying before you respond instead of responding with comments that demonstrate you don't know what we're talking about because you didn't watch. Okay. Amen. And so say we all. All right. So if a man sells his daughter as a female servant, she is not to go free as the male servants do. Oh my gosh. How misogynistic. Wait. And by the way, yeah, I'm, kind not, of. I'm not saying that none of this is <laughs> right. misogynistic <laughs> yeah, okay. from our frame of reference. Okay. Right. You know, there were a couple of people, because I said in the last episode that we thought Paul Copan sometimes whitewashes things a little too much. And there's a couple of Christian commenters like, I agree with what you're saying, but I do think you're kind of whitewashing too. Um, where we're whitewashing, hopefully we're, we're trying to present the truth and it's just not what's typically uh, taught about this, and so people are going to think you're whitewashing. Right, well, okay. But in some cases, I, I want to avoid whitewashing, and here, I can't say that this, even the truth about this text, yeah. is going to be pleasant to modern-day conservative Christian people. Right, right? less the people who are... But the question is, is it owning a person's property, and is, is, it an unfair, is it unfair to women compared to men? It's, it's not like you think. We're going to get there, but what were you going to say? Well, I, I just wanted to say, if there's any whitewashing going on at all, there's, there's, there's three ways that you can talk about this kind of thing. Yeah. One is bland and neutral. Two, you can use the most inflammatory and demonizing rhetoric and still not mischaracterize it. You're just saying Which it is in what a always happens. horrible way. Yeah. Well, no, sometimes they do mischaracterize. Oh, yeah, yeah. It. But yeah. but trying to do the the worst possible right way to say it with the, the most inflammatory language you can say it with. Some people use the inflammatory language to mischaracterize it, but some people try to characterize it in the worst possible way. And some people may try to say the exact same truth content with as delicate as they possibly can say it. Mm-hmm. Two of those are right, and one of those I think is wrong. The, the one that's wrong is the one that mischaracterizes. No, the one that wrong is that even that even characterizes, characterizes it rightly it in wrong. the most unflattering, demonizing way possible. I gotcha. Because that because even though everything you might say is technically true, 
you poisoned that well to where they would probably miss the truth that you did communicate in that particular way. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is either be bland or somewhat delicate given the, the subject matter, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's better than just being clinical about it. This is going to irritate people because I have to do this, okay? I, I know we're just getting into this, but I said that we would read off a list of our patrons. Don't turn us off. And here it is. I haven't done this in episodes and episodes, right? But here they are. Rodney Tucker, Austin Long, William Schroeder, Rob Diaz, Matthew Bertles, Steve Fraley, Annette Burns, Paul Wayne Sims, Robert Gillier, Geiler. Geiler, man. Dang he gummit. told you that. Billy, I know. Billy Wendell. Well, he broke my fish, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, the post office broke your fish. Billy Wendelin, John E. Miller Jr., Matthew Jackson, Michael Towson, uh, Boydria Gonzalez, Ian Buchanan, Peter G., I hope that's right, Jesse Tinsley, Charles Elliott, Alex Harton, Alan Atchison, Brian Roden, Eleanor Meadows, Kurt Jarris, uh, Ernest George Strauss III, Scott McCauley, Adam Van Gorp, Josh Stribling, Nick Quint, Jake Hood. I didn't know Nick Quint. Great. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Um, Jake Hood, Matt Muzak, Matt Mozakis. Mozakis. Not gonna, less Zakis. You know what, Dagobi, You're doing this next time. Well, you Brad, got Jarrus right, and I swear his name is Jaros. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Brad Aker, <laughs> or Acre, or Acre, Kendra Buck. I got you, Kendra. Philip Hawkins, Wesley Paschal, Pascal, maybe, Kenny Boydrow, Chris Fisher, Joshua James Roberts. Haven't seen him around lately. If you cost us any patrons reading this. <laughs> Abe Alam, Brandon Nicholson, Benjamin Fogler. Fogler, yep, I think. Austin Eakin, <laughs> Second Yang, Jonah Krylo. Oh, no. Abhishek. Scaria, welcome. Drew Beatty, Michael Boyle, and X. All right. I made it. I made it. Now, that sounds like a Not lot of names. Not unscathed, but you did. That, that sounds like a lot of people, uh, and it is, and we're proud and we're honored. Nevertheless, I want to say here, that we still need more patrons. Uh, yes. You know, many of these people because are giving, these are cheap patrons. They well, give us they are two so or three. not all of them, but some <laughs> of them just, are. You just affirmed that. No, I don't mean that. No, no, we're grateful. If you give us ten cents, we're grateful. I'm not sure there's a function for that, but we're grateful. No, but like here's some of them give a dollar. I'm yeah. grateful for those. Here's somebody with two dollars. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, there's a slew with five dollars. Thank God for those five dollars. Right. Then we get into you know the higher ones, but. Uh, but here, the thing is, we're grateful for all of them. I'm not saying yeah, we didn't say which one of you is cheap. So. I'm not. I didn't <laughs> save but, a little face here. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I I I, I want to read. I want to. We still need more, even though these are a lot. A lot of them are. are there goes that Christian dollar. asking for money. Well, yeah, because that you know seminary what? president asking for money, but not for the not for the seminary. <laughs> Here's the thing: uh, please give to the seminary, but also give yeah. to Trinity Radio. Uh, no, every other place in my life, I I will go to your church. I'll preach at my own expense if I have to sometimes. But when it comes to Trinity Radio, um, we have said, yeah, if you send us this money, we're not saying it's going to feed starving orphans or something. Mm. No, it's going to make this show better. Back to the show, right? <laughs> If a man sells his daughter as a female servant, she is not to go free. Did I read all this? As the male servants do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He does not have authority to sell her to a foreign people because of his unfairness to her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. Right. Kinship language. If he takes to himself another woman... He may not reduce her food, her clothing, or her conjugal rights. If you will not do these three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. See, the, there you have it. The Bible endorses polygamy and dumping your wives off on your kids to marry. <laughs> is, is that what you heard? No. Well, that's what I hear people say it means right. sometimes. No, what we have here... Is, is, now, notice read something. the first word of the passage. If. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, not endorsing We this. want this to happen. Right. So the misogynistic-sounding things are covered a little bit by the fact that, yeah, some stuff's happening here that doesn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily what God wants. Right. But if it happens, here's how it should be handled. Now, I want you to notice, too, that this is if a man sells his daughter 
as a female servant. This is not talking about all women in Israel. This is not just talking about this is what happens with women servants. This is talking about a specific case if a mm. man sells his daughter as a female servant. Now, the and further than that, this is honestly an arranged marriage because it's talking about if he ends up being displeased and whatever else, and I, that is misogynistic, I'll admit, then he shouldn't be allowed to deny her, uh, let's see, what, conjugal Yeah, because visits, in non-arranged food, marriages, money, no clothing. one ever gets displeased with their spouse. Right, no, but it, I mean, if, <laughs> if you were to dump her off because he's displeased, yeah. he's not allowed to deny her food or clothing saying, or all That happens things. in non-arranged marriages. Well, that's true. Yeah, people dump their spe- well, and not and if you get the- married, you're required to supply all these things that it's saying you're required to yeah. supply. But this is a marriage relationship. In fact, it says here in verse ten, if he takes to himself another woman, if he takes another woman, in other words, this is his wife. Yeah. If he takes another wife, he may not reduce her. This person, the female servant, quote unquote, foods, clothing, conjugal rights. The Bible would not be endorsing conjugal rights. For someone that was not his wife in some sense. Or right? someone who didn't want them. Right, right, because yeah. that's coming up in a few minutes. Yeah. But the thing about it is, this is specific. Now, what if he what if he secures her contractually as this arranged situation, right, with the father, for his son to marry? Well, that could happen too, but then he has to treat her like a daughter and follow all the rules related to the daughters. And if he doesn't live up to these things, then guess what he's got to do? Uh, he, the contract dissolves, and she's out without the payment of money. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, this is not the. This is you can't go by this passage and say, look, all women in Israel were treated differently than men were treated on the basis of this passage, because the fact is, this is talking about something specific when a man contractually enters into this agreement for an arranged marriage, either with that man or with that man's son. What do you want to say to this? Uh, nothing. I was just. <laughs> You have two daughters. I have a daughter, and I'm, I'm I'm wondering the the if conditional thing is like I can't think of a single scenario where I would, you know, do that to, to my daughter. Yeah, but I'm a 21st century Westerner, right? So I, you know, and another thing, even just the idea of exchanging dowries and all this other stuff that never happens anymore in America anyway that I know of, at least not among Anglo folk. And so I'm thinking, you know, if if I was in a culture that had arranged marriages, I've seen all these Western television shows where there will be the, the Indian girl or the mm-hmm. Indian guy who's forced into this marriage that they don't want and for all we talk about multiculturalism, they never paint that in a positive light. It's, oh, she or he should be with the one that person loves right. or fell in love with and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that's you know open-minded and tall. What about the, the arranged marriage that works great? Because yeah. I'm thinking those things, and would I be opposed to that with my own daughter, like arranging a marriage? And, I, and I'm thinking, probably not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Does this suit our fancy? No. Do I like it? No. But there's loads of stuff. Well, I don't know how to say there's loads. There's stuff in the Bible I don't like. Is there stuff no. in the Bible you don't like? That's my phone. Don't freak out. There's it our had t-shirt. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I silenced the computer. There's stuff in the Bible I don't like. Guess yeah. what? I don't like it that after David um, basically arranges for uh, Bathsheba's husband to be killed, Uriah the Hittite, and then uh, sleeps with her, uh, or the other way around. I, I don't like that. God then refers to him as a man after his own heart, right? right? I don't like that. What are you talking about, a man after your own heart? But right. you know what? I'm not God. I don't like that because Moses hit a rock the second time, he doesn't get it to go into the promised land. I don't like that. But you know what? I'm not God. Right. And whether I like it or not, that's the nature of reality. Um, we function that way in every other aspect of our lives, except when it comes to the Bible. I don't like the idea of cancer, and my heart goes out to those that are dealing with cancer, sincerely. Uh, but my not liking it doesn't make cancer not a reality, right. right? So, you know, is there stuff I don't like and on my 21st century way of thinking don't agree with? Yeah, but that's for me to get over. Right. Um, Amen, brother. I don't like this, th- the way this is set up. I want to rob banks. I think it would just be so cool to rob banks. 
Not not during the daytime where you put everyone on the floor with the machine gun. But you don't like want to hurt anybody. No, but like the, the cool way where you get the little laser thing and open the glass. You, you want to be the pacifistic heist man. Right. You know, <laughs> but that would be so cool to rob a bank like with all the high tech stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's also wrong. So that whole thou shalt not steal <laughs> thing. <laughs> You're going to be one of those people that they say, that these atheists say about. Uh, yeah, you... You you better stay a Christian because you wouldn't be a moral person without the Christianity. Okay. So what? <laughs> well, I, all right. Let's get. No, I mean, the, the, that's another show. Can, yeah. can you be moral? Can you guy, be moral? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So what? So maybe I would think. You know what? I think I'll rob a bank today. <laughs> you know, being a cool. Well, don't do it today. Guy. Plan it out if you're going to do it. Well, I mean, yeah, we're hey, not going to do it. Okay, we're not going to do it. Do it in a cool way, though, like in the movies, not in yeah. the not in the that's too cat expensive. burglar. I mean, you know, that, the problem with getting into that kind of bank robbery is that you have to have a few under your belt before you can buy all the technology used to do the high end. I'll bank go rip robbery. off some ATM machines, but no, I'm just saying. I think there are certain things now. Yeah, how did we get here? This is fantastic. Go ahead. <laughs> just, we were talking about things in the Bible we don't like. Yeah. And it's like, thou shalt not steal. Well, I actually think it might be pretty cool to go into your office and take your uh, Well, but that's the thing. You wouldn't stuff. like it if I stole your stuff. Yeah, I, but... Uh, fine. <laughs> that ruins it. But I'm just saying, but this there is are your things fantasy. in the Bible... You're saying it's your fantasy. You get to have your fa- fantasy. I think about breaking in your <laughs> office all the time. Well, it, it's easy to do. It's not that difficult. I don't have lasers and stuff. If you're scaling outside the building and, and rappelling down to my window to make a little hole and fit yourself through that no, hole, I mean, you're doing it the hard way. I don't want to steal anything. You can take you a butter knife and good, Yeah, but you don't, you don't have good stuff in your office, so there's nothing to steal. I have the complete Norman Geisler collection. Like I said, you have nothing good in your office. But I would like Teeing to glue you your phone to, you the, to, the, to the phone yeah. stand and stuff like that. You'd break anyway. into my office to be helpful. This is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> so that my phone doesn't fall off my desk. All right, so there you go. Now, here's where we get to the really uh, difficult stuff. Uh, not difficult, I don't think, but difficult people who read it and sit around in an atheist cell group. Well, there's also another perspective. We talked about this last time with... Uh, about the problem of evil and people in, 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 in uh, majority world nations where they don't have the same kind of hang-up about the problem of evil that, you know, lounging Westerner philosophers have mm-hmm. because they're just used to <clears throat> suffering being just a normal part of life. Yeah. And they don't exclude the possibility of a God just because there's so much suffering. Well, similar to that, there are places in the world that people right now wish that there was a law code like this, at least. Uh, to yeah, because like we said in the last episode, if you instantiated the Mosaic Law anywhere in human history, slavery evaporates. Yeah. It goes away. Yeah, but there are women in the world right now where they, they don't even get these kinds of recourses. Right. Um, that, do you know, do you understand, like, whether you agree with what this says in this passage, Exodus 21, uh, verses seven and following the, the fact is it is there to protect this yeah. young lady the, the point is to protect her now you and i may disagree about the way it goes about it but that doesn't change the fact that it's not there to subjugate women yeah it's there to uh protect the woman yeah the intent of the uh, yeah the intent of the law code yeah in this instance is to protect now whatever sinister things you want to place on top of that you can say, oh, the culture was so horrible, though, that they needed laws like that. Well, our culture is pretty horrible that we have endless law codes, you mm-hmm. know, uh, in case law. So whatever you want to say about the culture, the intent of that law there is for protection. Yeah. All right. This is also the case in the next set that we're going to discuss. Turning your Bibles with me now to Deuteronomy chapter 22. That's another thing I've noticed. In those churches where you re- they stand up when you read the Bible, they don't do it in subsequent cases where the guy turn- turns somewhere else right, and reads only again. at the beginning. Only with the first one. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Yeah. That's where we get tradition, and tradition is not a bad thing, is it? Nope. All right, so I'm going to assume you've gotten to Deuteronomy chapter 22 by now, and it says in Deuteronomy 20... I'm sorry. Yeah, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 23. Now, what we have here, Dr. Pritchett and audience, are three cases, hypothetical cases, where a man and a woman are engaged in some sort of a sexual act. 
Okay. Okay. It's giving you three cases, and I'm going to read them to you now, and then we're going to talk about them. So, well, maybe we do it one at a time. Okay. okay. Case one is this. If, there's your key word for the day, right? Yeah. If there is a girl who is a virgin engaged to a man, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city, and you shall stone them to death, the girl because she did not cry out in the city, and the man because he has violated his neighbor's wife. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. Now, this... The, the cry out is a, is, is a expression that she did not resist or... Yeah, now, I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not... You know, the way you just said it, like yeah. you said a while ago, is putting the window dressing, making it look as nice as it can. Yeah, You're not going to like what the truth of this is. But remember, what we're trying to find out here, and this is not really related to slavery. This is related to um, rape at the risk of YouTube shutting this video off. But the case here is 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 not going to sound good, but the question is, is it rape? That's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah. Now... The the thing is, in a city, the reason it specifies in a city, and by the way, the next two hypothetical cases are in a field. Yeah. What's the point? Is the, is the author just randomly picking what scene he wants this to occur in? No, no. There's a reason we're talking about in the city versus outside of the city. The reason is because in the city, and remember, we're talking about first a tent-based society yeah. where, where people can hear what's happening in the tent next to you. Um, especially if someone cries out, but also in, even in a city, once Israel was structured and had buildings and stuff, you still don't have like these windows that are airtight and two inches thick and all this kind of stuff like we have today. So if someone cries out in either case in a city, someone's going to hear. Right. Now, the reason I realize that doesn't sound appealing to us today, and I agree, it doesn't. This is where I, we're not going to whitewash this part of it. You could say, yeah, but this woman may have been manipulated. That's true. You could say, well, this guy might have uh, threatened her or something. Well, you know, the point is here, though, the idea is that if she wants to resist, as you just said, yeah. and not be complicit, she can cry out and people will hear yeah. and people will be witness to that. And maybe someone will come and rescue her. Yes. Right? So I that, mean, we're talking about the next 10 over or somebody with right. the you know, yeah. staff come Some, over. Yeah. Because, you know. A big staff, like the, yeah. you know, equivalent of a shotgun or something. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but the point the point is, I realize that, that that doesn't sound appealing. But the what we're saying here is this is trying to figure out. All three of these cases, I submit to you, are trying to determine when is it rape and when is it not rape. And then right. what do you do based on that? In this case, it's saying not rape. Because if she wasn't being consensual, she could have cried out. Right. Right. Okay. That's case one. And so what you're saying, though, is that we should stone people to death for that? Well, that's a whole other issue. That's The, the whole other issue is, are the laws about capital punishment in Israel appropriate and, right or and, and if you read all through the yeah. Bible, people are just getting stoned left and right. Right. It never happens. We don't have yeah. a case of it yeah. happening, right? right? Um, but this is case law, you know? Well, uh, you know, it, it probably, if you don't want to get stoned to death, it probably did a good job of... As a deterrent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cue everyone in the comments who's going to give us stats on whether capital punishment is a deterrent. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if I, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this, but we'll take your bank heist thing. Mm -hmm. Let, you said it might be enjoyable to occasionally... Engage in a Catwoman like bank heist. Yeah, if it was awesome like that, okay. like Catwoman, <laughs> yeah. if I could be Catwoman yeah. when I do it, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying not to imagine you as Catwoman, uh, especially in the Michelle Pfeiffer outfit. That's how I'm <laughs> picturing you now from Batman Returns. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's not what I meant. The, the thing, the thing, the thing about it is, let's say you thought that'd be cool. It's bad enough that the penalty for that, you know, is going to be pretty steep. You're going right. to prison. Yeah. We don't know how long. What if you knew they were going to take you to the outside of the city and stone you if you got caught? Now are you going to be Catwoman? No. Probably not, right? Cool like Catwoman. Catwoman's a metaphor. You can still wear for, the outfit. Just yeah. don't tell me about it. 
right. Here's the second oh, one here. Okay. But in, but if in the field the man finds the girl who is engaged and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lies with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as a man rises against his neighbor and murders him, so is the case. When he found her in the field, the engaged girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. So the, in this case, in each of these cases, the man is guilty. Okay. Right. Uh, and gets stoned to death right, in both cases. Right, right. In each case, the man is guilty. What we're trying to figure out is, is the woman also guilty? All right. So in this case, what we see is they're in a field. Now, remember, the setting is important. Why is it relevant that they're in a field, Dr. Because Pritchett? she cried out and nobody could come to her aid and rescue. Right. And notice this presumes that somebody that, would. And it presumes that she did cry out. Yes. She may not have cried out, but we're giving her the benefit of the doubt. Right. Because if she did cry out, there wasn't anyone there to, to, to hear this. Yes. Um, okay. So now that is rape. And the Bible is not cool with it. You understand? Right. This is not okay. And the woman is innocent, or at least presumed innocent. Here's the next category. And by the way, this one is the only one that anybody ever reads. Okay. When someone's trying to make a case against Christianity, mm -hmm. this is the only one. They're like, look at this one. Completely ignoring that this comes in a context of these hypotheticals. Verse 28. If a man finds a girl who is a virgin. Wait, say that again. If. A man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not engaged, and seizes her and lies with her, and they are discovered. Then the man who lay with her shall give to the girl's father fifty shekels of silver, and he shall become his wife. Uh, become she shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her all his days. Now, what people will say about this is to say, look, this is the Marriage Bible is rapist. condoning. Yeah. Uh, oh, the penalty is that this girl has to now marry this guy that has raped her. This is terrible. Okay, what should serve as an incredibly obvious guide to you? I understand how you come to this conclusion if that's all you read. And by the way, there are some Bible translations that throw the word rape around where it doesn't belong. But if you look at the context, what's the difference between the previous case and this case? Nobody is getting stoned to death. And, and, and why is that? Why is it? It's interesting this is basically the same thing. These two hypotheticals would be in immediate contradiction. Now, I know that love, people love to say, well, the Bible contradicts and all that. Okay, but people aren't idiots, right? Especially people that could write literature like this back then. And they're not going to contradict themselves in the next verse after what they just said. Oh, yeah, Proverbs. Answer uh, a fool. Don't answer a fool, according to his following. Right there. What do you mean? Do you want to go ahead and give the answer to that? No, because it's so stupid. Okay. Again, back what we said at the beginning. Learn to read. Right. I mean, literally learn to read. Not just oh, I can make it. I'm can make out words. Yeah. Great. Like a. It's like twice grader. recently I've heard from yeah. atheists. Twice recently I've heard them point to the ceremonial washing mm -hmm. and how uh, th this was clearly about disinfecting your hands so that you don't. Uh, you know, get people get sick. Talk about <laughs> ignorance that has to do with purification do. rites in the right. Yeah, uh, but see, even if you Folks, want to say if you'd that, you like to actually learn stuff. Come to Trinity College. But see, here's the thing: what they'll say, they'll say, "Fine, okay, that's fine. You can make that up if you want. That it's some kind of ceremonial thing." But no, that, there are purity rituals today. I know. In religions. I know you're preaching to the choir. I'm the one who raised this. Come, but they'll say, "But your God, since we're on the issue." of washing your hands, even if it's only ceremonial, your God should have known that about germ theory and everything else, and he should have gone ahead and told him right then that, yeah, another good reason to wash your hands here is because you don't want to infect yourself with something. I don't even know why that deserves a response. I am so... Okay, we had so many commenters over the past few weeks demand that we take them seriously, and yeah. this is why I cannot. Sorry. Yeah. Do better. Meet it where it's at <laughs> in the ancient world with their concerns, not yours. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I love it. Um, here's the thing with verses it's 28 and 29. Than, it's worse than people in Sunday school classes, you know? And those people are just like, don't know anything. Sorry. Yeah. So verse 28 says, he find, 
uh, a man finds a girl who's people a vir- in Sunday school class know some things. That was wrong. I'm going to try to get back to the text at this point. Okay. I think we've but made not our much. Point. Okay, go ahead. Not much. Get back to the text, or they don't know much. They don't. I mean, have you ever sat in a Sunday school class where I mean, I, I've they been don't... blessed with pretty good Sunday school classes? Okay, when I'm the teacher, they've been blessed with a really good. Sunday... <laughs> I've right. sat in your Sunday school class. That was what I was referring to. There you yes. go. Yes, yes, but right. I mean, like, sat in a Sunday school class, they. I, it's hard to I can't I can't just pick on atheists when a lot of Christians don't. You know get one of the you death. know one of the criticisms we get what? is that we um, derail the conversation every. Well, five we certainly minutes. get that. Yeah, but we also get that me and you pat each other on the back too much, like me saying that I enjoyed your Sunday school class. These guys just it's almost like they like each other is what I hear. Yeah, they're, when they they're say so that. friends. <laughs> awful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can I stop? Yes. Okay. So if a man finds a girl who's a virgin who is not engaged and seizes her. Now, this is not the same word used in the previous verse. Previous verse, a man forces her. Here, it's actually a completely different Hebrew word, too. Um, It's tafos in the Hebrew. And there's a contextual. So uh, let me me give you uh, this contextual difference as well as it's a... First of all, it has similarities to the seduction passage of Exodus 22, 16 through 17. But also notice that it says, and they are discovered, and they are discovered, right? This implies, so you're using a different word than the word that was used for force in the previous. Person, plural. Yeah, and now it's yeah. they are discovered. So this, this seizes her. You say, yeah, but seizes her, forces her. What's the difference? Well, if it's, like, if it's seduction language, then it doesn't mean she's not consensual here, right? right. He's, he's, he may be wooing her, seducing her. He seizes her. It's the Hebrew word tafos. And, um, and so according to Paul Copan, that is uh, a possibility there. Um, on top of that, it says, they are discovered rather than he is discovered, which seems to not put all of the in- interest on him. It's putting it on right. both of them. Now, that alone is pretty good, but when you notice that it comes immediately after a case that is identical in every way except that that's rape, it seems like we just have a couple here fooling around. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't have the the go stone them both or stone him kind of thing. It says, you got to get married now. Right. Which is, is exactly what a lot of conservative Christians do in the would South. Say in right. the South, like, wait, you guys slept with each other? Well, you know, and I know you. A lot of people think that's horrible, but whatever. The point here is, the point in all three of these is the man is guilty in each case. The question is, is the woman also guilty, or was she raped? Now I hear a new challenge. What? It's that's too hard so on men. Sexist. Against men? Yeah, it's sexist. <laughs> Why aren't women... Yeah. Why aren't women... <laughs> yeah. God is so sexist. He thinks it just it punished the man. Well, yeah. it, 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 when you resolve it one way, they'll find another way. Right. But anyway, what I really want you to take away from this is this case that is often brought up does not stand alone. Not only is there the, evidence within the text... God makes you marry your rapist. Yeah, that's complaint. garbage. Right. Within the text, there's evidence that what we're talking about here is consensual. And if you're saying, well, you don't know what really happened in that case, remember, there isn't a that case. This is in the law. This is a hypothetical, right? Yeah. Um, so, And it's trying to give every benefit of the doubt here. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Anyway, this text doesn't stand alone. It's got internal evidence that shows that it's not talking about rape, and it comes immediately after a passage that is talking about rape, and the rape is condemned. Yeah, and why are they all these case laws in the same kind of passage? Because they're all dealing with similar issues right. related to sexual activity. Now, you might a, still disagree yeah, with these yeah. passages, like we said, but it should be clear, as I've said, um, these laws were meant to prevent rape, not allow for it. Right. Right. Or... Encourage it, you know. Right. Thou shalt not steal does not mean go steal. We want you to steal. We're right. hoping that you go steal. That's go right. steal every day. Thou shalt not kill. Go kill as many people as you can. Right, what? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy 21, 10 through 14. Now, this, as we're talking about things that we can't dress up and that seem uncool, this one's definitely going to put off your uncool alarm. Okay. I mean, the actual meaning of it. Yeah. But I'm going to argue it is not rape still. Okay, Deuteronomy 21, 10 through 14. 
When you go out to battle against your enemies and the Lord your God delivers them into your hands and you take them away captive and see among the captives a beautiful woman and have a desire for her and would take her as a wife for yourself, then you shall bring her home to your house and she shall shave her head and trim her nails. She shall also remove the clothes of her captivity and shall remain in your house and mourn her father and mother a full month. And after that, you may go into her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. It shall be, if you are not pleased with her, then you shall let her go wherever she wishes, but you shall certainly not sell her for money. You shall not mistreat her, because you have humbled her. Now, this is talking about, after a military victory, conquering her people, and instead of putting her to death, saying, go honor your fallen loved ones. Right. For a month, and then we might Marry get married. Yeah, we might get married, which gives you certain rights, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, you can, or I don't like you. You can go free or whatever, but you can't sell her or mistreat her in any way. Or mistreat her in any way. Yeah. Now, now again, in a brutal ancient world, that's still well, not ideal, but it's you know. It. I mean, we're not. This is not a, a, a bed of roses already. The war has just happened. Yeah. And people are people are dead. And I don't like aspects of this either. But again, it doesn't matter what I like, right? Right. But the question is, is this rape? Okay, rape would be the man finds her on the battlefield, takes her into some, you know, like a Viking, takes her into some uh, room somewhere on the battlefield and rapes her in lust. Yeah. That, that's not what's going on here. That's rape. Um, the very idea that she's allowed a month to mourn and go through the whole mourning process. Uh, you say, well, it's, what's this deal about demeaning her by trimming her nails and shaving her head and all that kind of stuff? That's part of mourning rituals, yeah. right? So you're supposed to give her a full month. The whole point of that seems to be, yes, one, to allow her to mourn properly, which is for her benefit, not the Israelites. Secondly, it prevents... Rape. A lustful rape. Yeah. yeah. You stay away from her. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you know, now he's got a full month to think this thing through, right? Um, and here's the thing. At the end of that, he can marry her. And yes, I don't like that. I don't like that this woman, you've just killed her parents, her family, whatever else. And now she's going to marry you. Yeah. I don't like that. But is it rape? No. He's going to be her husband now. She's going to be his wife. And he has to treat her like a wife, right? Which gives her, like you said, all kinds of benefits. Yeah, you know, this is this is. What's the alternative? What was the, what's going to be the alternative? If this is not what happens, what's the alternative? She dies on the battlefield, or she wanders aimlessly. Yeah, I mean, destitute prostitution things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that this is dreamy or anything, but is it rape? Demonstrably not. No, it's not rape. All right, so, all right, now, um, lastly, it's a sh- I can't believe I even have to discuss this, but there are people that point to other examples of rape that take place in the Bible, as you said, narrative examples of rape, and mm-hmm. say, oh, the Bible's condoning rape because of this. Now, granted, this is not what some of the more clear-thinking atheists will, will use. Few as they are. But... Uh, Genesis 34 is has the story of uh, Dinah, and I, I think this is one of the most interesting stories in the Bible because Dinah is kidnapped, and uh, then the, the kidnapper who takes her away and, and rapes her wants to marry her, and so he approaches Jacob and family and wants to present this. So the boys have, cra- you know, Dinah's brothers have crafted this idea where let's go along with this, but let's tell them that if they're going to be part of our family, that means they're going to be worshipers of Yahweh, and they have to all go circumcise themselves because that's what we all did, and they need to do it tonight. So they go... <laughs> I'm paraphrasing the story here. Yeah. but so, so they go away and they circumcise themselves that night, and then while they're all in pain from the circumcision, they come and kill them all. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I'm not saying that's cool to go kill a lot of people, but I'm just saying conceptually... Clever story. That's crafty, yeah. right? Okay, so is that condoning rape? No. I mean, in some respect, well, I won't say that. 
Um, anyway, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's I don't know. I mean, Ben Shapiro sits there at all these college campuses and say, if a man is convicted of rape, we need to castrate him and kill him. You know. Yeah. So you're you're not you are you for that? Oh, you're not for that. Oh, so you don't take it as seriously as I do, you know? So I mean, it is okay. Anyway, but you see the point. The point is, yeah, I'm with you. This is so horrible that we should castrate people or execute them for something like rape, which is what they did. Yeah. Uh, but then you know, those same people who want to see men punished for it don't seem to want them punished the same way that. Other people do. It'll uh, never happen again. Well, not with that guy, for sure. Right. <laughs> All right. And people are like, oh, um, that's too harsh. Okay, well then, you know, it's like some of these harsh punishments actually do work as deterrence. Maybe, you know, if, if if you're convicted of rape, maybe you would prefer capital punishment than going the rest of your life castrated. I don't know. But that would freak, I, on, I wouldn't that would, choose. <laughs> I think that that would freak out enough people that rape would go down. It's certainly visceral, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Judges nineteen twenty two through twenty six. Uh, rape is not condoned. Second Samuel eleven, the Bathsheba story. You might consider that a form of rape, but it's not condoned. Um, and after all, David never had again after that event, and certainly after the event of Amnon and Tamar and Absalom. He never again had the sheen on his kingdom that he had before that. Yeah. I and mean, this is clearly a turning point in his in his um, kingship. Uh, second, but so Second Samuel thirteen one through fourteen, Amnon and Tamar. If you know that story, and Absalom seeking revenge and all that whole thing, rape not condoned. You can't point to an example of something happening in Scripture and say therefore it's condoned in Scripture. No, it's a thing that happened, and Scripture records it. Right. And sometimes, you know, like when people, I had someone recently ask this question, um, something, I can't remember what the exact example was, but he's like, why, if the Bible, oh, judges, something with judges, something horrible that happened in judges, there's a lot, but he's like, why is God condoning this? He's not condoning this. This is a story about what happened. Uh, Judges has this sin cycle with Israel where they go in and out of sin. And he's like, well, then why doesn't it spell it out? The Bible doesn't have to... Sp- we don't even do it today. Actually, that is more of a 21st century thing. I suffer from it myself. If I make an analogy that mm-hmm. I know is crystal clear and any thinking person should be able to make the connections, it might actually be more powerful if I just leave it there. Yeah, let's say you know the law very well. Well, wait a minute. Let me finish my thought. Okay. So, But I have this compulsion in me to make sure people understand, and I draw the the connections with the analogy, even though I know that I probably don't have to with most people. But that's a 21st century thing. Throughout literary history and, and historical writings, you don't have to, and here's the moral of the story, right. for people to get it. Figure it out. Esther, for example, doesn't even mention God. Yeah. But the idea that it's not a story, obviously, of God's providence... I think it's a literary device that it doesn't mention God because it's so obviously God all the way through this thing. Right. Uh, so anyway, I'm sorry. I, go on. Well, I was going to say it's it's uh, if your mind is completely engulfed in Torah, mm-hmm. when you read Judges, you if you're an Israelite, you know what to make of that. Yeah. You know how to view that, right? So in hermeneutics, we talk about the difference between high-context readers and low-context readers. So we're low-context readers when it comes to Scripture because we are thousands of years, a language and a culture and a continent removed from it, right? Yeah. So we're low-context. So we need more of it spelled out for us to know what's going on. Because we're dum-dums is basically what you're saying. Yeah, in a sense. Um, but they were all high-context. They knew their milieu. They knew their Torah. Yeah. They knew what to make of these stories in Israel's history when they read them. They knew what to not approve of and what to approve of. Right. You know? So when you're a Star Wars fan... No doubt. 
So when I say Grand Admiral Thrawn, yes. you don't need me to tell you, by the way, he's, he's the blue. Purple. Is he blue or purple? Bluish purple. He's, he's purple. got red eyes. Yeah. He's from, from the, the expanded Chiss, universe. The Chiss Ascendancy. All of the, You don't need me to... Well, maybe you do because you're not as awesome. Fortunately, Disney... No, yeah. I'm telling you, he's from the expanded universe right. that was decanonized, and now Disney has baptized him and brought him back in the animated series. Right. So he's in again. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. I, but you're a high-context Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. right? That's all it means. That's all I'm saying by high-context versus low-context. You have all that stuff that doesn't need to be spelled out to you anytime I say Grand Admiral Thrawn, right? right? Uh, so, similar thing here. If you're not engulfed in Star Wars lore or Lord of the Rings lore or Dungeons & Dragons or whatever... Somebody is going to have to spell things out for you and but, give you more context. But here's the thing: when we read a story of somebody getting raped in the Bible, yeah, and then the very next thing that happens is that person's life falls apart. Yeah, do we? Who's going to read that and be like, God thinks rape is awesome? No. Well, this is, is that a, it doesn't. I don't. This is a problem with just goes back again uh, to just being a poor reader. Mm-hmm. Even good readers need some helps to understand, to become a more high-context reader, mm-hmm. right? But some people who are looking at the book to not be charitable at all, we have a problem that they have chapter and verse, and they think that that is a standalone statement that you can rip from its context. Well, let's summarize um, here real quick, and then let's but close But that's out. not how the Bible works. Like you said, you need to read the whole story and see the implications of the story, and if you're a good reader, you don't need to spell it out. But even if you're a low-context reader... You should pay attention to the experts who know how to inform you right. in that context. That's right. Okay. So, okay, so number one, um, you need to understand that the ifs here, these are not necessarily things that God wants anyway. It's just that if they happen, here's what you do in response to that. Um, then you need to also understand that while these things you, you may never agree with the way that the Mosaic Law says to handle some of these issues— it does not mean that you get to call it rape. It's not. It's, in none of these right. cases we just read is it rape, except in the narrative cases we just You don't get to impose referenced. your idea of the intent over against the author's intent, which is clear from the writing that this is intent to be protections. And three, yeah. read the surrounding literature. I don't know how many times I've listened to one of these, uh, you know, internet people uh, saying, "No, I understand the, the context better than most Christians." Well. Maybe you do, but it sounds like, at least with this Deuteronomy 22 and the rape example, you didn't read the surrounding text. It's just not that difficult. But if you keep these things in mind, I think you'll see that, yeah, you may never like everything. Yeah, and the Bible records horrible events. But it's not rape, and it's not necessarily rape, and it's not slavery. And the Bible records horrible events where people get their body chopped up into 12 different pieces. and It's telling you what happened, not hooray it happened. It's just telling you that it happened. And the overarching narrative is the world needs redemption from God through Jesus. That's the whole thrust of the Old Testament. Oh, and let me just go ahead and say something by fiat here. If you leave a comment on this video or any video of mine, ours, and you begin with an insult, that that comment will likely get deleted. Yeah, we allow comments, which we're applauded for. We don't allow stupid, insulting comments that are counterproductive to dialogue. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. This is the last word. Unanswered prayer. Though we have many cases of very specific answers to very specific prayers, and Christians who have an active prayer life have experienced this for themselves. So when atheists often raise this concern that uh, there are all these examples of unanswered prayers and studies that have been run on prayer, um, it rings a little bit hollow to those of us who have firsthand personal experience of answered prayer. Nevertheless, many people often note that the Templeton Foundation study of prayer showed that prayer was not effective for those being prayed for. In fact, those being prayed for and knew they were being prayed for did a little bit worse because they had something like performance anxiety. 
But they note the Templeton Foundation study as if it's monolithic. There are a number of studies, and a quick review of Wikipedia alone will reveal that there's debate about the issue. Dr. Randolph Bird was published in Southern Medical Journal on his study of the effectiveness of prayer. He concluded that those subjects who were prayed for had, quote, less congestive heart failure, required less diuretic and antibiotic therapy, had fewer episodes of pneumonia, had fewer cardiac arrests, and were less frequently intubated and ventilated, end quote. Dr. Harold D. Koenig described the state of research thusly, quote, out of 125 studies that looked at the link between health and regular worship, 85 showed regular churchgoers live longer. There's a lot of evidence out there, end quote. So, is this idea that prayer has been dem demonstrated to always be uh, benign and lead to not any better results and maybe even worse results than what we would get randomly? Um, no, that's false. The, the, the evidence is still out there. But you know, something that's very interesting is that we actually have an episode on this, and in that episode, we pointed out on Trinity Radio that the Bible gives caveats for prayer. Uh, one of those is that you shouldn't just be praying for selfish gain or something like that, and your prayers have to be in line with what God wants. And putting God to the test in a, this sort of a way, uh, where you're praying for people not because you really care that they get better, but you're praying for people because you want to find out whether prayer works— might violate some of those caveats. When it comes to prayer, my recommendation is, why don't you try experiencing it for yourself? Step one, become a child of God. Step two, begin praying regularly. Step three, wait and see what God does in your life. If you would like more content, click here and keep watching Bible studies click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers, so click here.